Massacre Radio. Yes, that's right. This is Massacre Radio, and I am your host, Members Only Dave. And I want to thank you for joining us on this, the inaugural episode. Today we'll be talking to public defender Art Edinger about physical media, streaming, and what else, Roger Watkins. A little bit later on, we'll hear from the ghost of Dwight D. Eisenhower. I wonder what he could be up to. Hmm. But right now, we're speaking with Aaron Crowell. He's always up to something over there at Whorehound Magazine, and he stopped by to talk UFOs and all things extraterrestrial. So let's have a listen. Massacre Radio. You are about to enter a dimension beyond both time and space. My only suggestion is to proceed with caution. It's time to talk about UFOs and the extraterrestrial. Joining me now on the show, I'd like to welcome the managing editor of Horrorhound Magazine. His name is Aaron Crowell. Aaron, thank you so much for your time today. How are we doing? Oh, I'm doing good. Great to be here talking to you. What's going on? I actually wanted to have you on the show today to talk to you about aliens, extraterrestrials, and UFOs because I heard through the Olive Branch that you talked to a man some time ago who claims he worked at the Wright-Patterson Air Force Base when the Roswell wreckage was flown in. What can you tell us about this, Aaron? What I remember best. He was a young man at the time. He was working on the Air Force Base. He said that around that time, things got really busy on the Air Force Base. And he said it was a little weird. And at first, you know, there was just some, like, background, you know, discussion on, like, what this could be. And then they started seeing bigger planes coming in and people being brought to the Air Force Base, like generals and stuff. He never really got close enough to see anything or know much more than something big was going on. I mean, he did say that there was a point where everybody started speculating that maybe it was going to be another war or something was about to erupt. But why Dayton, Ohio, or where exactly the Air Force Base is? Like, why that Air Force Base? I believe the bodies and the remains of the ship were brought to Wright-Patterson for whatever reason, I guess, to examine them. Okay, so say this is a true story and that old guy was telling the truth. Where are you at with the whole aliens and extraterrestrial UFO type thing? Do you believe in extraterrestrial aliens, Aaron? You know, I don't know. I've I've teetered over my life. You know, when I was a young man, I did experience something that it, it was so long ago, I question now, was I really, is that a memory? Is that a dream I had when I was a kid? I don't remember, but what I remember exactly? being... I remember being on this uh, soccer field near my house that I used to walk to all the time, even when I wasn't playing soccer. And I remember being at a soccer practice and we saw like this triangle in the sky. It looked like three, you know, ice cream cones like connected and uh, like a pyramid shape. And then they all three broke apart and then just disappeared. And like, I just remember looking around at everybody and looking around at everybody around me and everybody was just looking at each other like, did we all really just see that? Nobody really spoke of it after that. And like, it just kind of went away. It's amazing how your brain can kind of create fiction for yourself, you know? It's weird, right? That sounds to me like you're in the I do believe or I want to believe category, no? 
I don't want to say I'm necessarily skeptical, but I also don't want to say I'm necessarily 100% convinced either. I mean, the fact that they've even admitted pretty much that thing that this is all true, it's, it's a lot to take in now, you know? You look at technology that we're, you know, our cell phones and like everything that we have now, and you got that obviously was reverse engineered from some technology that's far vast beyond our comprehension. And it's not been, what, I'd say like maybe the 70s is when black and white TV went out. Color came in shortly after color. Huge advancements. It's kind of funny. <laughs> Okay, so what I want to do now is I dug up two of the wildest UFO conspiracy theories I could find, and I want to run these by you, okay? Okay. First one, the possibility of Nazis using alien technology to develop their own UFOs. You know, it's a proven fact that Hitler was both into the occult and paranormal. As a matter of fact, Aaron, I wouldn't put it past the Nazis to be aliens themselves. What say you? I think it's possible if you look at the advancements again within the uh, German military and like the equipment, the weapons, all of that stuff was done with eerie precision. You know, it makes you question. I mean, yes, you're talking about a nation that was united and determined, but also there's an eeriness about the Nazis in general, I think, that does lend itself to something supernatural. Don't you agree? Well, you know, I think you did touch on something there when you used the phrase eerie precision. I think there's some validity to that statement and certainly something to consider. Okay, here's the next one, Aaron. Nikola Tesla spoke to aliens about orbiting Earth. He claims he caught signals which he interpreted as meaning 1, 2, 3, 4, and that the Martians used numbers for communication because numbers are universal. Aaron, your thoughts? I think that the chances are pretty good that Tesla was legit on everything that he was doing and that he was talking about and that he's obviously been suppressed by people that are special interest groups that don't think that free energy and efficient energy is necessarily a good thing. People that might be making a lot of money off of things that are not necessarily efficient or not necessarily going to last very long. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, kind of like the whole VHS versus beta thing some 40 years ago, huh? Yeah. Okay, so suppose both Hitler and Nikola Tesla knew a thing or two about aliens and extraterrestrials. Where did this knowledge go? It didn't just evaporate. It had to go somewhere. Think about it, Aaron. Do the math. 1899 wasn't that long ago. I don't know. It's interesting, isn't it? Like we were saying earlier, you know, memories and fiction crash together in a very odd way. And sometimes, I mean, that's what happens. You don't really know where the truth lies and where it's in between. <laughs> I don't know what else to say. Aaron Crowell is my guest. He's the managing editor of Horror Hound magazine. We'll get to Horror Hound in a minute here, Aaron, but I wanted to ask you about this. I actually saw this on Twitter today. Headline, Air Force veteran claims the government is covering up UFOs. That's right. It went on to read, David Grush has seen evidence of a secret crash retrieval program and alleges the U.S. has even retrieved bodies from other species. I mean, retrieving bodies from other species? This has to be a work of science fiction, right, Aaron? I mean, if they've, if they've gotten one species, what's to say they haven't found others? I do want to go back and say, if Tesla was talking to intelligent alien life forms, the smartest thing that they could do would be stay the hell away from the earth. <laughs> Aaron, it says here, World UFO Day is on July 2nd. How will you be celebrating? Um, I didn't know that. And if I remember, I will. And uh, <laughs> I'll go outside and look up at the sky. 
<laughs> you can really do. Or I could watch a Fire in the Sky or a, an alien horror film. Maybe that'd be a good idea. Watch Extro. Extro is a good one, but I'm more of a Demon Warp kind of guy myself. I love that film. Why? I, I, I ask uh, Lewis why that movie's not been released on DVD or Blu-ray, and he said it's possible that the original materials are lost, and Man. that's all we have is these little bootleg VHS, you know, mm. dubs that are out there. But man, that's a great film. I mean, you've got zombies, Bigfoot, gore, nudity. I mean, it's everything. Hey, zombies, Bigfoot, gore, nudity, and George Kennedy, too. Don't forget about him. Yes, and George Kennedy, of <laughs> course. So, Aaron, I don't know how much you're into music, but did you hear about this? In 1977, NASA created a mixtape to send to aliens. That's right. It consisted of two LP records with tracks of global music, greetings in different languages, and sounds of the planet. The LPs were attached to two robotic probes that were launched to send a sign to extraterrestrial civilizations that we exist. So my question, Aaron, if you were going to launch two LPs into space for the aliens to listen to, what would you put on there? <laughs> Oh, wow. I don't even know. I, I guess like a little bit of everything, really, right? Got to give them some variety. I and mean, you don't just send them like deicide or something. And <laughs> <laughs> Just a couple more questions before we get you out of here, Aaron. Did you know you can take out an insurance policy on an alien invasion for a hard bargain of twenty four ninety five per month? Your thoughts, Aaron, on alien invasion insurance? I don't think that many people know about it. I don't think many people do it. And I feel sorry for the people who do it. What do you think the sales pitch is on that? I, I can only imagine. <laughs> I can only imagine something like we're having a special right now. If the end of the world occurs next week, <laughs> the payout will be double. It'll be double. But you, but just remember, it's you, you know it takes four to six weeks for the payout after the event occurs. <laughs> so you have to be patient. You know if that exists, there has to be at least one poor soul who fell for that. I mean, at twenty four ninety five per month, how can you say no? I mean, right? You know, maybe I'm going out on a limb here, but I think the kind of person who gets alien invasion insurance is the same kind of person or is at least adjacent to the folks who have a survivalist bunker under their house, you know? I think those people get anxiety because nothing's happened yet. Imagine you've been buying canned food and living in a bunker for like years waiting for something to happen that hasn't happened yet. How cheated would you feel? I mean, like, dude, I could have been inside watching like Blu-rays and playing like Xbox, but no, I've been in this bunker waiting for shit to hit the fan because I don't have any faith in, you know, the human race. I don't have any faith in the human race either, but guess what? I can't do anything about when everything falls apart. Nobody can. We're all going to be screwed. It doesn't matter how well prepared you are. So Wonderfully put. We'll get you out of here on this one. The next Horror Hound will be held at the Indiana Convention Center August 18th through the 20th. What kind of things can people look forward to at this year's event? Obviously, we have a film festival that runs throughout the event that is uh, available to attendees. We also have the amazing Mask Fest returning to our own weekend. Mask Fest is run by Eric Austin, and he brings in a variety of amazing artists that work within the mask making field. They also make busts. There's all kinds of just beautiful eye candy monster goodness going on um, in Mask Fest. So you definitely want to check that out. As well as, you know, Horror Hunt Weekend, we have a host of guests. Celebrity guests will be there. We have artists in attendance. There's after hours events. Just stay tuned to HorrorHoundWeekend.com. Just check up on there every once in a while. Also check out our Facebook page for updates on the event. We're constantly 
announcing new guests all the time. So uh, just uh, stay tuned. Well, you heard the man. HorrorHoundWeekend.com for more details. Aaron Crowell has been my guest. He's the managing editor of Horror Hound Magazine and promoter of the Horror Hound Convention. Aaron, thank you so much for your time today. Thanks, man. It was great talking to you. In the beginning, there was VHS and Beta, then DVD, and now, in the 21st century, thanks to the advent of modern technology, we have streaming. With thousands of titles all at your fingertips, sometimes it's hard to find something even halfway decent to watch, but it doesn't have to be. Introducing SubGenius.tv, the only streaming service you need with hundreds of hand-picked titles at your convenience. Titles like The Pink Ladies, Corruption, and Night Terror. You'll never run out of interesting cinema to consume at home ever again. SubGenius.tv has it all, and then some. Besides, who has the space to store physical media anyway? Streaming is the future, and SubGenius.tv is here to pave the way. Don't be a coward. Sign up today with plans starting at $5.83 per month. SubGenius.tv. Don't make us tell you again. The Massacre Video Radio Program. Hotter than fresh apple pie. Oh, so good. That's hot. Joining me now is our guest, Art Edinger. He's the editor of Ultraviolet Magazine, as well as a public defender. Art, how are we doing today? Thank you so much for your time. We're doing great. You're in the 440 area code. I went to college in the 440 area code, and then I lived in the 216 area code afterwards, briefly. It also says here you recently celebrated a birthday. That's correct. I just turned 48. Hey, listen, when it comes to birthdays, the people want to know, is Art Edinger a cake and ice cream guy or what? Absolutely. So most people know you perhaps as a regular panelist, Q&A speaker at Cinema Wasteland. And I believe your first Cinema Wasteland was Cinema Wasteland 3, where you talked with Roger Watkins, right? That is the first Q&A I helped with there, yes. Talk a little bit about what that was like for you, because I know that you are a personal fan of Roger Watkins and his work. Well, Last House on Dead End Street was one of my favorite movies growing up. I had access to incredible video stores in my hometown of Buffalo. I rented Last House on Dead End Street at Mainstream Video Store, a local chain in Buffalo called Video Factory. Sometime in middle school, having read about it, rented it, was fascinated by it, and over the years, studied multiple versions of it. And then in the year 2000, when the director star Roger Watkins started appearing online, I was one of the first people to interview him. You had asked me at that time, if there's one person you could interview, who would it be? It would have been him. As absurd as that might sound to some people, that's how much that movie meant to me. So I think it's safe to say that physical media is something that you are very passionate about, so much so that you even have an extensive Roger Watkins media collection. Tell us a little bit about that. I do have an extensive Roger Watkins media collection. I also have some original artifacts from a couple of his films, including Spiral, it's not Spiral, Three Ring Notebooks with 16 millimeter film cells of the original three hour cut of the movie, despite idiot rumors on the internet. There's a two hour cut with sound, with full dubbing that was intended to be seen but no one talks about that on the internet they talk about this three-hour cut they read one thing someplace somewhere 
and people are followers and posers. And even though the information is readily available, they still get that one very wrong. And I have a, a porn script of his and some other cool things, but those are the high points. And I'm sure, as you know, Art, that streaming services are the way people consume TV and movies. Tell the people at home listening or wherever they may be why physical media is important. And do you ever see it making a comeback with home media, movies, and film? Much may be in the way that vinyl made a comeback within the music industry. Well, it's not gone, and vinyl was never gone either. I mean, my music of choice is punk and hardcore, and when I was in a band in the 90s, we refused to put out CDs. I mean, we were putting out seven inches. I mean, there have been some types of music, like hip-hop and punk and hardcore, that never vinyl never went away. But if you look at the um, biggest video store left in this country, Scarecrow Video, I'm going to get the numbers a little bit wrong, but they have something like 120,000 titles available for rent. If you think that Netflix has 100. 20,000 movies on there, you are very mistaken. They have like 6,000 or something. I, I don't know how many they have, but it's not 120,000. The idea that you have more choice streaming and that everything's at your fingertips, completely absurd. Streaming is, is the way that Maybe most people consume media today, but I, I wouldn't say it's the, the only way. I don't stream very much at all. Um, Art Edinger is my guest. As I mentioned at the top of the interview, you are a public defender and have been for 21 years. How does that cross over into your love of film? Well, I was only interested in a handful of things. I was not raised in the typical all-American, the police are your friend mentality. I always tell people my mom's from another country and my dad's from another planet. Neither of them were particularly fond of law enforcement growing up. You know, some of the lyrics I liked as a kid musically were very anti-establishment, anti-system, and I think that maybe that ties into it more than my film interests, although I do think that there's like a subversive quality to horror and exploitation films that um, probably ties into it agree but i don't know i thought this was pretty cool it says here you had your own sandwich on the menu at this year's shock stock appropriately titled the art ettinger tell us about the sandwich and the inspiration behind that bad boy well there were two different art ettinger sandwiches at shock stock but i'm not someone who has a big ego but when certain things have happened in my life it's like it's kind of hard for it not to go to your head. At Shockstock, which is Canada's version of Cinema Wasteland and uh, another excellent convention, they have various sandwiches on the menu, various food items named after famous people, and I'm one of them. So uh, the Art Ettinger sandwich. Um, yeah, I'm looking at it right now. It's six ounces of steak sandwich on Vienna loaf made famous in Pittsburgh, topped with onions and Havarti cheese, comes with fries, coleslaw, and a very good chance at winning your case, all for a robust fifteen ninety five. This is true. Now, that's fifteen ninety five Canadian, so it's not as expensive as it sounds. The previous version of the Art Ettinger sandwich was kind of like a Philly cheesesteak, but then it was like, it's not from Philadelphia, it's from Pittsburgh. And I am not born and raised in Pittsburgh, but I have lived here since 2001. So I wanted to ask you about your band, Bippy, I think it is. You have four records as well as a single alongside the Useless Fox. Talk a little bit about Bippy, what it encapsulates, and where people can check it out. Correct. And the Useless Fucks have Jeff Useless, also known as Jeff Palmer, who is a pop punk icon. So that record actually sold out. It was repressed by them. But yes, our split with the Useless Fucks um, was the only one of our four records that actually was repressed. So there's 
more of that record out in the world than the other three. But I want to shift gears now and talk a little bit about your wardrobe, uh, the White Levi's in particular. Uh, it always seems like you're wearing White Levi's, you're out and about in these things, you're carousing, you're hobnobbing. What's the deal with the White Levi's? You know, at the beginning of the Smurfs cartoon, when Smurfette opens her closet and the joke is that she just has one outfit, all in a row. As soon as I was old enough to dress myself in the, this would have been like in middle school, my mom would take me to JCPenney or whatever, just gravitated towards the lightest jeans. I'm kind of stocked up for the next several years. I have a lot of brand new pairs of white jeans <laughs> sitting here because it's been really hard to bleach them over the years. And now now that I can buy ones that, like off the shelf that, that aren't skinny jeans, it's, it's really neat. But they don't let you wear your birthday suit on your birthday. Every year I ask. I'm like, can I wear my birthday suit? Still and the know, judges huh? always say no. And it's like, why is it called a birthday suit if you can't wear it on your birthday? I don't understand. Yeah, walk me through the mental gymnastics of that one, huh? Um, I know, right? I consider myself pretty good with the English language <laughs> as well, but I don't get it. Art, I know you said you're not a very big sports fan, but I do know that you grew up in Buffalo, so I have to ask you about this before we let you go. What are your thoughts on Buffalo being a possible landing place for an expansion WNBA team? Couldn't care less. I, I When I say I don't like sports, people think it's like maybe they don't care for Twizzlers. Like as absurd and immature as it is, I hate sports as much as I hate law enforcement, as much as I hate religion, as much as I hate metal. Those are my four things that I hate the most in this world. People say, oh, it's great. It brings all kinds of people together. Do you know what else brings all kinds of people together? A fucking Friday the 13th sequel, you know? Take me to a movie theater on a Friday night. That's how I bond with people who might not be just like me. I don't need to do it at a football game. So, Okay, last question. I read that you have a big crush on Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. Art, suppose she's listening right now to this very radio program. Is there a message you'd like to pass along to her? This is going to sound so terribly misogynistic, and and like I do not, have, I would not say I have a big crush on her, but yes, for like what's what's astounding to me is that for a mainstream politician, I have this, I do have this great crush on her. I don't even care like what she, what she has to say. I do tend to agree with what she has to say. Usually, a politician is not someone. I'm going to have a crush on, but like, I, yeah, I'm embarrassed, but it is true that um, I do have a fondness for AOC and um, I just think she's adorable. There's something about her that she is uh, just quite adorable to be a politician and be like, yeah, I, I'm going to shut up now before I sound um, even worse than I probably already do talking about her. <laughs> no, that's so. totally fine. Um, Art Edinger has been my guest. Art, uh, where can people find you online if they choose so? I'm a big social media guy, but they're not allowed to look at my shit unless they're my friends because I post a lot of things that I probably shouldn't, so I keep it very private. Um, they can find the magazine at uvmagazine.com. Um, right now, that redirects to our Facebook page. Soon, it'll go back to our website, but uvmagazine.com. And then I do review records for Razor Cake, mm -hmm. this amazing periodical. They can find me at razorcake.org. Um, and those are the main places you can find me online. You can look at my IMDb page too, especially the credits under self, and you can be wow, super wowed by all the amazing things I've done. So. That's awesome. Art Edinger has been my guest. Art, thank you so much for your time today. Not a problem, man. Good talking with you. This is Massacre Radio. Sometimes the truth may frighten you. 
which is why we invite you to listen closely. You see, the following you are about to hear is a true story. All claims have been verified by several eyewitness accounts. However, we did change the names to protect their identities. These are the true tales that fright. Meet Jeff. Jeff is devastated after learning his father got into a motorcycle accident and is now in serious condition. Jeff is praying for his father, but perhaps he's praying a little too hard because he just summoned the ghost of Dwight D. Eisenhower, the 34th president of the United States. And instead of offering any encouraging words for Jeff and his father, Dwight has some plans of his own. Okay, am I seeing things here, or is the ghost of Dwight D. Eisenhower appearing in front of me right now? Please, call me Ike, and yes, I'm here. Say, what are you watching anyway? Is that women playing basketball? Professional basketball, and yeah, it's the WNBA, and they're awesome. What's the problem? Women playing basketball, that's a bunch of malarkey. Turn that crap off, man. I have some serious business at hand. What are you doing here anyway? I still don't believe you're real. I may be stoned, but I'm not completely annihilated. Now, come on. What was your name again? Jeff. Jeff. Cut to the chase or get out. I'm busy. Okay, Jeff, here's the thing. This might seem like it's coming out of left field, but I really Oh, really? Any more out of left field than the ghost of the 34th president of the United States showing up, haunting my residence, while I try to enjoy a Washington Mystics game? Cut to the chase or get out of my face. I'm busy. I would like to borrow some of your movies. Out of the question. Look, here. A nice shiny quarter for your troubles. Not doing it. You're not real. Oh, come on. I can see your shelf from here. You have great taste. Barbarella. Look, none of this makes any sense. How do you even expect to operate a Blu-ray player? You died like 50 years ago. I'm hip. I'm worth it. In fact, I was even at the Monterey Pop Festival. 67? Yep, 67. Ah, yeah, that's pretty awesome. Yeah. And let me tell you, Jimi Hendrix gets all the attention, but Ravi Shankar really played his ass off that day. Look, man, out of respect to the fact that you are a former president, I won't let you borrow them, but you can rent them from me. How's that sound? Five days? No, three. And there better not be one scratch on any of my perfectly shiny discs. You got that? No problem at all. How many can I get? How about this stack right here? What? No way. You just grabbed like 13 titles. Are you insane? Rosemary's Baby, Auntie Mame, the complete series of Gilligan's Island and Father Knows Best? Yes, well, it's only because I don't see any Lassie or Flipper. You really need to change that. Now, how would you like me to pay? Do you take check? What do you think? 29 cents will do it, huh? Who do I make this out to again? Jeff Hard Longer. Hard longer. Hmm. Okay, Sonny. Well, I'll be on my way after I get a receipt. No! The next day, Jeff went to the bank to deposit his check, and it bounced. And thus, the ghost of Dwight D. Eisenhower was never seen or heard from again. And there you have it. The first episode of Massacre Radio is in the books. I hope you enjoyed yourselves nearly as much as I did. We'll see you next time. I'm Members Only Dave.